Welcome to Pragmatic. Pragmatic is a weekly discussion show contemplating the practical application of technology, exploring the real-world trade-offs we look at how great ideas are transformed into products and services that can change our lives. Nothing is as simple as it seems. This episode is sponsored by Wetfrog Studios. Visit wetfrogstudios.com pragmatic to get in touch and take advantage of a special offer for their app icon and logo design service exclusively for Pragmatic listeners. We'll talk about more about them during the show. I'm your host, John Chigi, and I'm joined today by my guest host, Josh Centers. How are you doing, Josh? Hi, John. Thanks for having me on. This is, a, this is quite an honor. You had, you had Horace on here uh, a while back. You know, this, this is a, I know Marco listens to this. This is a, this is a serious deal, so hopefully I, can, <laughs> uh, hopefully I can keep up. Yeah, I'll, I'm, no, I'm, sure, I'm sure we'll be fine. It's, it's just uh, one of those things I, I sort of put out there and asked a few people um, about downloading versus streaming. And I've had, I have lost count how many times I've argued with people on Twitter about this. And as you know, most Twitter arguments tend to sort of devolve quickly. <laughs> they, you know, at 140 characters at a time, they fall apart quick, even quicker. And <laughs> it's just crazy. But Benghazi! Yeah, well, it's just... Anyway, so but the point is that it's something no, that's bugged it. me for ages. And I, and I was looking for somebody um, who, who, was, who was into streaming because I'm into downloading. So... <laughs> I thought it might be interesting to explore the pros and cons of that and just try and settle this once and for all, at least in my mind anyway. So, um, <laughs> you want to give this a shot? <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah, we, uh, yeah, there's definitely, well, I, I think part of the divide, um, at, at least for us, is is geography because, sure. uh, you know, uh, as I've already understood it, you know, uh, you're down there in Australia and... Uh, the the internet connections down there have not always been great. No. Um, I mean they're not that much better here in America, I don't think. But I, I think that plays a lot into it. You know, absolutely. Um, it, it seems to me a, a lot of the whether you prefer downloads or streaming really depends uh, can often depend on your internet connection because streaming has a lot of advantages. Um, it doesn't take up as much storage space typically. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it gives you wider selection. Um, all these different things, but but it's a lot more bandwidth intensive because with a download, you just you download it once and mm-hmm. and there you have it. But it also takes up uh, space in your device. Yep. It, uh, you know, you're limited to just what you have downloaded. Yep. Absolutely. Oh, is it, and you're, you're hitting on some some key points right there. So absolutely right. Totally agree with everything you just said. What I want to do is try and tackle this um, in sort of like there's three angles I want to consider. The first one is like the technical pros and cons of, of each method. The second one is the trust problem, which is like how much do you trust um, different aspects of your choice? And I guess that doesn't make sense yet. Maybe it'll make sense in a minute. But And then there's the cost, which is just the raw cost. Is it cheaper to download? Is it cheaper to stream? And and why? And I guess the other thing is I just want to put some boundaries on it. And it, it, the, I wrote down this note, boundaries. And the thing is, well, I just want to talk about audio and video. What else is there to stream? I think, well... I guess technically, if you're browsing the web, you're streaming text, you know. And if you're using <laughs> yeah. something like Instapaper, technically you're not. You, you'll you'll download it to Instapaper, and then you'll go out and about. You won't be streaming it; it'll be downloaded. Mm-hmm. So I guess there is that 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 text component. So well, you I also guess. have um, like Marvel Unlimited, so you can stream comic books. Yeah, sure. If you're into comics, absolutely. 
So, um, yeah, another good example. So, just trying to sort of describe that a little bit. But the other thing to, to keep in mind as well is that I don't want to just talk about mobile streaming because streaming also applies just as much to uh, desktops because there was streaming on desktops long before there was streaming to a mobile device. So, sort of, yeah. And there's also the other aspect, which is streaming uh, within a house. So, something else we will, we'll, we'll touch on later is the whole, um, you know, I'm streaming uh, airplay to a set of speakers or whatever I'm doing. So, there's there's a whole bunch of different angles to look at. So, I wanted to start with the technical side of things, which is the uh, the pros and cons of the technical. And because everyone is, ra- is like raving about streaming and let's see, you've got Spotify, Pandora, just on the music side, um, you've got uh, Beats and there's a few others out there as well. So, all these... You, you pay them a monthly fee and they will allow you to stream whatever music they've got on their catalog. On the video side, of course, you've got, you know, uh, Netflix, um, Hulu and HBO Go, I think, as yeah, well. Yeah, uh, yeah, and there's some other ones. There's like Crackle and, you know, but yeah, you, you hit the major three, I think. Yeah, so... YouTube, oh, YouTube, we forgot oh, YouTube. Damn it, you're absolutely... How could I forget you? You're damn right, YouTube, yes. So, all of these options are all streamed and there's all sorts of good reasons for that. But in any case, the problem with streaming and the history behind it is that any interruption to your download and you can lose your place. And in a lot of early protocols when, when you're doing streaming, yeah, if you lost your place, if it was stiff, it was right back to the beginning again. You didn't. You couldn't like start halfway through. It's gotten a lot better in the last five, ten years. But back in the beginning of the internet, it was terrible. Streaming was hideously unreliable. Well, even recently, it's it's been bad. Um, sure. There's been some some podcast clients I've used. Like for instance, I was trying Google Listen uh, back in my old Android days, and it was purely streaming. There was no downloading. Yeah. And, um, you know, so I would, you know, I, I kind of live in the sticks and I'd be commuting and, you know, I'd go through a poor coverage area and it would like hit a hiccup, yeah. lose signal. And it like, then you would try to play it again and it would start trying to play like the, the scrubber would show it being in the middle of the podcast, but then it would start playing from the very start. <laughs> okay. So I'd have to start the whole thing over again uh, and then, yeah. and then find my place. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't understand technically how that even happens. I'm like... Can it not track? Can it not store where it actually is in that stream? Just, yeah, it's just it's all it. It comes back to the protocols, and honestly, some of the protocols were just built on the assumption that you would have uh, a decent connection or a constant connection. And, and as soon as it gets interrupted, it just loses its mind and has no choice but to go back to the beginning. It's sort of, but things have evolved, you know, and and there's better better technologies and 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 better protocols out there these days. So it's it's something that it's been an evolution, I think, and things have improved. But ultimately, it comes down to the reliability of the network in question. And on a landline, you might think, okay, I'm connected on a landline like either I've got ADSL, I got fiber, I've got you know, coaxial cable, maybe I don't know, maybe some people still do. I guess they do, and um, you know, or yeah, it's, it's, got, it's going to be a pretty high reliability thing. But then you've got network congestion and it could be congestion anywhere on the network. Your ISP could be getting congested. There could be issues with uh, a, a connection on the uh, on the host and you're trying to stream the, the, the data from. So the reliability of your network is, is going to affect how effective streaming actually can be. So 
the, the, the great advantage, and you hit on this already um, in, the, in the first minute we were talking about it, and that is uh, the cost of storage on your mobile device. If you stream it, you don't have to store it. And, of course, storage costs money. And historically, storage costs a lot of money. You think about how much memory used to cost. And, um, you know, iPods, with the original iPods are their spinning hard drives. Not that they could stream anything, but when they switched to Flash, 4 gig of Flash, these things are only just barely cheaper for a four, for 4 gig of memory or whatever it was or compared to uh, uh, compared to a 30... Oh, I forget how many gigabyte iPod it was with a spinning disk in it. Yeah, I mean... It was very expensive. So if you had a mobile device, yeah, you just couldn't afford the memory. So streaming makes sense for that. Well, even even if you're, I mean, if you're on the iPhone, uh, storage is still kind of expensive because oh sure, yeah, they still they only come with 16 gigabytes standard still. Um, yeah, huh. and and it costs like a hundred dollars to get an extra 16 gig uh, gigabytes. And how much cheaper is flash yeah. storage now than it was uh, just a few years ago? Yeah, absolutely, and um. At this point in time, I sort of did some math based on um, the US prices of iPads. And I know iPads, iPhones, not quite the same thing. But to get the, the big range, because only the iPad goes up to 128 gig. So, I got 16 gig to 128 gig is an increment of $300 of price. Now, if you assume that you get two years of usage out of your device, then in terms of monthly cost, you're paying $12.50 a month for having that extra storage. That twelve dollars fifty could be going towards streaming, and then you could stick with a sixteen gig model. So if you're streaming for less than twelve fifty a month in your total expenditure, you'll bet you're ahead. Rather than there, and you don't have to worry about managing that on your device because how many times you plug your device and you got the content downloaded, and you've got to shuffle things around. Oh, I really want to listen to this today. I really want to watch this today. Delete, 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 delete. I've only got a sixteen gig device, right? You know, I just thought of something. You know, a huge, a huge thing you'll soon be able to stream that I missed mm. uh, er, that was announced earlier this week is that in iOS eight you'll be yeah. able to stream your photo library. And I think, oh, yeah. I think for a lot sure. of iPhone users, that's a huge pain point. You know, for the sixteen gigabyte uh, users, even for thirty two gigabytes, that's probably one of the um, main uses of storage on my phone is photos and videos. Yeah, that is a really, really good point. Absolutely, and. Because once once everything goes up into um, iCloud, your photo stream is going to store it and it'll roll off your device and then you can pull it down whenever you want it, wherever you want it. And that's, again, that'll be, yeah, streaming data from the cloud. So, yeah, good one. No, I, I didn't, I missed that one entirely. So, um, all right. So, the, the other issue with having more, you know, more memory and more storage on your mobile device is that usually that will cause your battery to drain more quickly, especially if it's solid state memory. So, yeah, in the end, honestly, it's a matter of it's it's a matter of compromise. So, streaming sounds like the way to go for a mobile device primarily. The problem, though, is that the size of the media has increased along the way. So, it no longer is just streaming music at a really low bit rate. Go like dial this back to 1995 with real the real player like real networks and their RM player and they were streaming stuff at extremely low bit rates and I mean it sounded god awful but you know it it was the first I think real mass attempt to to stream audio and now what are we doing we're streaming 1080p video you know it's like the the bandwidth requirements have increased incredibly in the last Will while and that puts more strain on the network and that causes more congestion on the network and that then count that that basically then starts to defeat the streaming because if you you know what I mean it's like 
mm-hmm. it's it's like what we want to stream now is going beyond our capacity to stream it. So we're killing but now, streaming. But now streaming, um, well, if you're on mobile, um, you know, a lot of these have ways of degrading. Like Netflix, yeah. um, I'm not quite sure what the technical specifics are for Netflix, but I know it definitely degrades if it um, you know has a problem. Uh, these streaming services, uh, you can kick them down into like lower quality modes. Like for instance, on Beats, uh, Beats Music can kick down to 64 kilobits per second. Mm-hmm. Uh, Spotify, I think, goes down to like 96 kilobits per second. You know, um, so so you know, a lot most of these streaming music services can go down to extremely low bit rates to save on bandwidth. Um, Absolutely, at least on that end. Now, um, uh, music's a little more uh, flexible than video or some of these other things we've been discussing, but. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. No, you're absolutely right. And that is an interesting compromise because what that means is that you can continue to watch or listen to what you're watching or listening to and um, you'll lose some of the quality. But the bottom line though is that had you actually downloaded that before you went out the door, you would have experienced no loss of quality. So it's like you're you're trading off potential quality to overcome the loss of connection and the loss of streaming. So it's an interesting sort of trade-off, but it's I think it's still a good trade-off to make, especially if you've bought into the streaming option because it's either that or you can't watch it at all. So when I was thinking about this, I was thinking about how thick do the pipes have to be to make streaming useful and possible. So starting out with just, you know, and I know it sounds weird, streaming text off the web, but I mean, that's really what web browsing is mostly, text and images. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so if you're on, so just the, the, the three options I'm going to give put on the table are um, the fixed line option, the um, mobile phone, or sorry, cellular network option, and then the Wi-Fi option. So, if if you're just streaming text and so on, dial-up is fine. Like 56K, 33, 6K, you know, maybe even, uh, you know, oh God, 28, 8K maybe. (laughs) You you could do it. You could do it. Oh, sure. Oh, yeah. You get get on Gopher and... (laughs) Gopher. Oh, I Kermit. (laughs) Kermit. Oh, dear. Yeah, yeah, we're showing our age there. Anyhow, um, so then, of course, 2G networks. And the funny thing is, of course, there was always wireless access protocol, and I think that was 9600 board from memory um, that worked on uh, before that. But 2G, I think generally, you know, let's just run with that um, you know, edge maybe uh, sort of thing. So then you've got um, Wi-Fi A or B, so 802.11 A or B. Yeah, and, and that's going to ha- handle it just fine. Streaming of music and audio is the next sort of step up and you really do want to st- sort of go beyond dial-up for that. So you're looking at probably a low-level ADSL1 type connection. Um, 3G would be preferable and if you're in a house, maybe Wi-Fi uh, 802.11G maybe would probably be best. Then you start stepping up into more hardcore stuff. If you're going to do standard definition video, then I'd be you'd, I'd, you'd want ADSL2 really. Um, so it's the sorts of speeds to be getting that, you know, 3G might cut it, 4G would be better. Um, you know, that's just standard definition video and Wi-Fi N I think would be preferable. You could probably get away with G, but I think N's probably better. And you can sort of see some of that in the evolution of the Apple TV as well. So when they added HD video, of course, they went to um, dual band N and now more recently AC on the Wi-Fi side. And if you're going to do HD video, fiber is you know highly recommended, and 4G is an absolute must. Oh, yeah. So you know it's got to that point where we've had to fatten up the pipes to basically make streaming a possibility still. 
Well, the, the, the other side of the problem, at least on mobile, and, mm. and uh, let me know if you don't have this. Pro- I have this problem in America. I don't know if you have this yep. problem in Australia, but yep. um, as LTE, as 4G has become more prevalent, 3G has become worthless because they have uh, dedicated so much more bandwidth to LTE. So now, if I get into a 3G area, I, I might as well just not even have a, uh, a data signal. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, you're right. And and then the similar things are actually happening here as well. So Telstra's done a massive rollout of, of LTE and um, that's our, our biggest carrier. And yeah, and, and they have to some extent Rob Peter to pay Paul with their... Um, yeah, with their frequency spectrum. So similar kinds of problems happening here as well. And it's not a matter of being used to the 4G download speeds. They are literally crimping and back on the 3G and putting all the effort into the 4. So, yeah, it's... <laughs> hmm, it is a problem. But um, yeah. in, in any case, all right. So streaming's also very dependent upon the encoding technology. That's something that's also been mm-hmm. evolving. And that requires hardware and or software to encode and decode it so you know for example video h264 up and coming h265 and uh, you know the obvious culprits mp3 and aac for example for audio so that's been evolving as time's gone on and that's also assisted um streaming and the different streaming protocols over the years i don't want to go into these in too much depth just to list them off just for the hell of it is like udp um uh, user datagram protocol rtp's real-time transport protocol RTSP is real-time streaming protocol and RTCP is real-time transport control protocol. And these are all different ways of attacking the streaming problem and they have different features and functionality. And as I've gone from start to finish in that list, they're getting more advanced. So it, there's a link in the show notes if you want more information about that, but I don't. I think that's sort of beyond the scope of this. But So bottom line is for streaming to work, you have to have access to a network when you want to stream what you want to stream. That's probably obvious, but you know that's the the advantage of downloading is that you don't. All you need to do is have a little bit of pre-planning. So you say, okay, I'm going to watch this, I'm going to, or I'm going to listen to this, I'm going to download it before I leave my uh, my Wi-Fi or my you know, ADSL2 connection, my fiber, my, my Comcast connection or whatever I've got. And I'm going to then walk out the door and even if I've got 2G, 3G, 4G, I'm going to choose not to use it. I'll listen to it on my local device and I don't have to worry about streaming it. I don't have to worry about congestion. I don't have to worry about any of that other stuff. So it takes a lot of that peace of mind away. Uh, so it gives you a lot of that peace of mind, takes a lot of that stress away. So, But because of that, the pre-planning means that you kill spontaneity. So if you're out and about and you want to listen to that one song, you know what happens? You're out there and it's like, oh, I could really go for, I don't know, Katrina and the waves walking on sunshine. I don't know. A bad example? Maybe. Probably, definitely. Anyway, point is, you want to listen to that. You don't have it in your library. Well, you're out of luck, aren't you? If you've downloaded it, if you don't have it on your device, even if you've got it in your library at home, that's no good to you. So, what are you going to do? You're out of luck. So, whereas streaming in that case, you know, you could stream it because they'll probably have Katrina and the Waves in the catalog. I mean, well, who wouldn't? <laughs> well, you know, if, if you're walking your, your dog, you know. Yeah. I'm guessing you're a Futurama fan. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's good. Uh, well, you know, I think that's part of the reason why these streaming service, these streaming music ser- services, are so popular instead of downloads. Because uh, music, I think, probably even more more than any other medium, um, is is definitely a mood sort of thing, right? You know, you're yeah. driving your car and you're listening to one song, and suddenly you're like, "Hey, I want to listen to something else entirely." And uh, with streaming, you can do that. And um, downloads, that's uh, you know that's a frustrating thing. the 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 other the other problem with downloading is that um and one of the things that streaming has totally spoiled me on is managing 
your data. And, and maybe yes. this comes up later in the show, but like, mm. um, you know, uh, in iTunes, it's almost like a second job to go through and, you know, manage your metadata, manage, yep. <clears throat> manage your album art, um, you, you know, load things, load things onto the device, load things off of the device. You know, even if you have something like iTunes match, you, there's still a certain amount of manual fiddling there. Um, you know, it's the same thing with, like, comic books, same thing with a, a lot of uh, videos. You, you know, I've been trying to rip my Blu-ray collection uh, for playback on my Apple TV, and oh, it's, it takes so long. It, it, yeah. even, I have all these automated tools uh, to, to help me out, to add the metadata and all these things, but still I have to find it, you know, figure out, okay, where am I going to store it? Uh, you know, uh, you know, is this tagged properly? Is this, is this you know, encoded in the right way? You know, and... Um, the cool thing about streaming is I just give them ten bu- somebody ten bucks you know every month and they they handle that for me and I don't have to think about it you know as long as I have a solid internet connection um, you know I'm just good to go and it, it takes off it takes a lot out of my omnifocus absolutely and and I was about to cover that and so yep now we have and I think you've said pretty much everything I had on my my notes list and that is <laughs> sorry it's no not a no no that's fine that's fine it's it it's exactly the point and that is you are taking on the burden of managing all of this stuff that you want to listen to because you don't know when you're going to listen to it so you've got to have it all set up and ready to go if and when you should choose to listen to it whereas if it's streamed you don't have to worry about any of that so Absolutely, that is a big plus for streaming. So, before we go any further, I just want to talk quickly about our sponsor for the show. And um, selling a business or an app is a lot like selling a house. You can take a huge amount of time and money redecorating, bringing the house up to scratch and modernizing it. You can take great photos, build a website and show off the house. But if there's one thing missing, a one missing piece, it can stop buyers from ever walking through the front door. And that's curb appeal. The old saying goes, don't judge a book by its cover. But frankly, you know, most of us do. That's just where people, we do. And people do the same with business logos, app icons, and books. And the old, these days, ebooks. Without some curb appeal, people won't usually take the time to check out what's inside. And all that hard work that you've put in could go unnoticed. You might have seen recently the show got a fresh coat of paint. That new artwork is a result of working with Aaron at Wet Frog Studios. I can't recommend him highly enough. There was an awesome icon that was done for drafts for the first few years it was out. Aaron designed that. He also did branding for 512pixels.net, minimalmac.com, 70 decibels, and lots of other recognizable apps, businesses, and websites. So if you're looking to add some curb appeal, Aaron can help you. What I really enjoyed working most about with Aaron was that I gave him a rough framework of what I wanted, and he took that framework and he came back with something on the very first go that was 85-90% what I was looking for. He was very, very good at figuring out exactly what I needed. He responded quickly and tweaked the design very rapidly and we iterated and got a result in a very short amount of time and it was exactly what I was looking for. So as a special offer just for pragmatic listeners, Aaron's offering his app icon and logo design service at half price. That's 50% off. That's an amazing deal and to get to get access of a, to a professional of Aaron's caliber and experience. There's plenty of other graphic designers out there that can give you something good, but Aaron will take the time to give, make you something great. So visit wetfrogstudios.com slash pragmatic to get in touch with Aaron and take advantage of this amazing deal while it lasts. Thank you to Wetfrog Studios for sponsoring Pragmatic. So just want to now talk about trust. And this is something that bugs me about streaming. And the more I thought about it, it also actually bugs me about what I do, which is primarily downloading so first of all i have to trust 
that the content that I'm that I'm getting from the the person in the cloud, whoever it is, the company, it doesn't matter, Pandora, Netflix, you know, Hulu, whoever, I have to trust that it's going to be there tomorrow, because mm-hmm. they could go out of business, they could get bought by Facebook, they could get bought by Google and then killed. You know, they or could. In the, or in the case of Hulu, they just randomly take things down because they feel like it. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I mean, you don't know. And just because they've got, you know, the secret life of Walter Mitty up there today doesn't mean it's going to be there tomorrow. Or maybe they'll just decide that, you know, the original Star Wars movies never existed and they're only going to show the special editions. You know, and then you'll be there beating your head against the wall like every other, you know, true fan. It's like, come on. But anyway, don't want to open that can of worms. Point is, you can't trust them, can you? I mean, can you trust them to be there next year, in five years, or we're at 10 years? So what happens when they're gone? So people, the counter argument to that is, okay, well, there'll be other services. They're going to start up and they're going to take their place. And But will they? Will they have the same catalog exactly? Will they have that one movie that you really want, that, that, that one album you've always wanted? You rely on them. You trust them. You give them the control. But the funny thing is, because there's no real ownership, but, but the funny thing is that storing it at home, that has a whole different level of trust problems. Mm-hmm. Do you trust that the hard drive you're storing on or solid state drive you're storing on isn't about to fall over? Like it's going to like have a hardware failure or get corrupted. I mean, you know, it's built on HFS plus and that's solid as a rock, you know? No, that's a Syracuse joke. <laughs> anyway, yeah. sorry. No, no, I, I, I got you there. Well, no, it's, it's funny. Well, I, you know, as I said, I've been ripping my Blu-rays and I, I finally have a system set up where I, I feel pretty confident in it. So I have two, four terabyte, external usb hard drives and so i i rip to i rip to one and then i have a mirror to the other one every night and then on top of that i uh, i subscribe to crash plan for cloud mm-hmm. backup and then i back up my rips into the cloud which is part of the reason why my bandwidth bills are so high but <laughs> um, yeah so, so i have three copies of of everything you know and and tips and like yeah. everything in my setup i have three copies of everything everything on my my internal mac hard drive i have three copies but that's a huge pain to uh to manage <laughs> even yes. still you know mm. oh yeah absolutely well i mean that's 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 hardcore but you know what three is a good minimum my problem is that most of my media, I've got something like eight terabytes. Hang on, no, I'm using mm. no, twelve terabytes of storage up there. It's not all used. I think I'm only using about nine of it, um, and that's mostly video. But there's audio in there. There's podcasts in there. There's, I mean, I keep podcasts from like five five years ago because, well, why not? It's always a good time to listen to build and analyze. So you know, the point <laughs> is that yeah, you <know>, it's <laughs> what do you do? The point is that I can't throw anything away. I'm a digital... Yeah, anyway. So, what I tend to do is if I've got stuff that's not media, so documents I've worked on, software I've written, you know, whatever, I will... And obviously, family photos and family videos, I'll back them up onto Blu-ray discs and I keep them in a fireproof safe. I recognize it's it's in the same building. Therefore, it's not geographically protected from a fire, a single incident like an asteroid hitting the house. But... Oh, I'll run the numbers on that, I guess. But the, statistically, I, 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 I would rather have an offsite backup like you've got, like Crash Plan. But there's no way with my ADSL one connection on 384k up yeah. that that's ever yeah. going to happen. I mean, I had iTunes Match. I signed up to that, and I let it back up my 40, 50 gig, whatever the heck it is, music library, and it took one and a half months, and it's still at the end of it screwed up. So I just, you know, I gave up. You know, it's like, oh, oh, I, I just, just, 
Mm. iTunes matches everything bad about downloads combined with everything bad about streaming. <laughs> Beautifully put. <laughs> That's good. I mean, honestly, um, I just I can't do Crash Plan. I really do, or anything like it. I'd love to. Maybe someday when um, you know the present meets where I live, then uh, yeah, who knows? But for the moment, I'm stuck with hard drives. So, bottom line is that that's that's the, where the trust falls apart. Is for, for the downloaded option is that if one of my hard drives dies, I'm living with the the real possibility that I'll lose everything on it. You know, and if that happens, well, shrug, oh dear. I've still got, you know, a bunch of the originals. I can always re-rip the DVDs and Blu-rays if I have to. Uh, I'd rather not. But, you know, hey, if that's what happens, that's what happens. Because I'm not going to buy another set of damn hard drives to back up the hard drives that I've already got. It's sort of... <sighs> anyway. Yeah. So, yeah, but you don't have to... It's a lot of management. You it is. A, ex- you yeah. You're your own sysadmin. That's exactly right. It's like I'm, I'm at home. Punch out, right? I don't have to do work on computers. Oh, hang on. Yes, I do. And it's like... Yeah, so streaming solves that problem. But you hand over the ownership to the people streaming you the content. You have nothing, you possess nothing, and you owe them everything. So that's the trade-off. Well, at least, you know, with every form of DRM, you don't truly own the content. But at least with streaming, I feel like it's more honest. I feel like we understand the relationship. I stop paying you, you stop giving me things. Um, you know, as opposed to something like iTunes, and, and I'll say I, I buy a lot of movies out of iTunes and stream them, um, even though I don't technically own them, right? So that, that's yeah. dumb on my part. Um, but um, you, you know, that's a value proposition I'm okay with. Now, you know, but you know, part of the trade-off I see with streaming, is, well, like we've been talking about, is is that management aspect. Is that I don't have to, I don't have to worry about it. I'm paying someone else to worry about it for me, but. Um, in exchange, it's it's kind of a grab bag, right? You know, mm. I subscribe to oh, God, I guess to be streaming subscriptions. I, I'm on Netflix, I'm on Hulu, I'm on HBO Go. Uh, I have Beats Music and RDO, and I've subscribed to Google Music and some of these other ones in the past. Because I'm always testing out different um, music streaming services. I'm on Marvel Unlimited, and you, you know, you never quite know. Like some services are more consistent than others. Like HBO, nothing's going to vanish from HBO Go. Um, Marvel Unlimited, they just keep adding things. I don't think they're planning on removing anything. But like Netflix, Hulu are, are sort of like a roulette, right? Well, even, even some of the music streaming services now are, are sort of a roulette. Like, you know, I went to play uh, a song on Beats the other day that I'd played forever and ever, and it was just gone. The rest of the album was there, and just this one song was gone. So, okay. um that's one of the that's one of the complications is is all these um, the media uh, licensing uh, and uh, you know that's that's one of the many more uh, moving parts in, in the whole streaming bag is is this whole legal aspect. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so you know, so I, I think you have to have a mix. You have to have a mix of you know if if you want a movie and you really want it to be yours and be yours forever, then you know you need to buy the physical media, rip it. Uh, store it, back it up, all that stuff. You know, you, you and you have to love the movie. You know, you have to love that piece of media to want oh, yeah. to do that. Um, you, you know, I, I couldn't just you know, uh, you know, you know, if you don't like the Police Academy movies, you probably have a hard time you know ripping all nine of them and, and, and copying them over and backing them up and everything, right? So, um, it, it's sort of it's sort of interesting. You, you know, one of the things that you know people say about digital media is that it takes away that that certain specialness. Of owning, you know, uh, a laser disc or owning a, a vinyl record, you know, and having a physical artifact there. But I, I think, I think, you know, we can have some of that back. In that, you know, streaming makes things uh, makes it makes media cheap, right? Like, 
you know, suddenly um, that first issue of Spider-Man isn't all that valuable because I can always just pull it up anytime I want. I can just open the Marvel Unlimited app, so, you know, search for Spider-Man, hit Spider-Man number one, and there it is. But if it's something that you really love, something you always want to have access to, like, um, you know, one of your favorite movies, then you then you do cherish that. You do um, do things to make sure you always have that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely right. And I think that that's, that's also the big difference um, just just uh, getting back to something you said just before about DRM is that streaming is essentially is a form of DRM. But when you buy a when you buy a movie and you rip it and store it, like you're saying, like I've done, you've done, is that you know you actually still own that piece of physical media. It's not going to get taken away from you, and provided your house doesn't burn down and it with it, then you know you've still got that for as long as it it, it lasts. Whereas if you compare and contrast that with, uh, I'm going to go and pay to see you know the latest. Um, Avengers movie or Iron Man movie or whatever the heck in the, in the theaters, well, you you pay to see it once in that environment. You can't take it with you, and so if they stop showing the movie tomorrow, well, tough luck. You've just missed your chance, and and that's that that's more of the difference between down you know downloading versus streaming. And there's different expectations, and I guess it's important to understand that up front. So, in any case, there's a third angle I want to look at this. And that's the the angle of uh, of cost. Now, when I say cost, I don't mean the difference between oh yeah, it's cheaper to stream something in terms of it cost me ten bucks a month, let's say, for Netflix. Actually, I have no idea how much Netflix costs a month, but um, eight bucks. I think. Oh, I think it's going up to nine in a couple of years. Uh, but I think okay. it's, well, so yeah, something like that. It, okay. It's cheap. <laughs> yeah. Cheap. Okay. So let let let's call it ten. Let's call it ten bucks. Nice round number. What's wrong with that? Okay, sure. Um, anyway, but yeah, so some nominal value each month versus if I want to buy one movie, it's twenty bucks in iTunes, you know, um, or it's twenty, it's or it's a twenty dollar Blu-ray mm-hmm. down at Best Buy or wherever the heck I may be at the time. Best Buy sell DVD Blu- Blu-rays, don't they? Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, good. I was just checking. I actually haven't been to a Best Buy, um, but uh, in any case, you're not missing much. I didn't. I didn't think I was, but still, everyone just says, "Oh, you know, I was going down to Best Buy," and I'm like, "Oh, yeah, okay. I haven't been there. Um, I've been to a bunch of shops when I was over in North America, but I don't. I didn't go into a Best Buy. Um, anyway, okay. So, um, I'm going to put myself off track there. Yes. All right. Okay. So, cost, 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 cost. Yes. So, I'm not talking about the the, the cost, the relative cost of the media. I'm not talking about that at all. What I'm talking about is the cost to stream, download it. So if you download it, you download it once, you never have to download it again. If you stream it and you stream it more than once, then there's an additional cost to that. There's also an additional cost usually if you get partway through the movie, you have to stop and then start again. It'll have to backtrack a little bit. So you're going to get additional costs. And if you're unfortunate to have to start from the beginning again, yeah, that's going to be more of a problem. So the problem with streaming is that it hides that cost. Every repeat listen, because nothing is maintained locally, you're down for downloading it again. So the first time, it's you know it's an even game. But every subsequent time, it costs you money. But how much money is the question. And a lot of this comes back to where you live. And I know that we, we were talking about this just before we started the show, actually. And that is, in my case, in, in Australia, we have a, a, a... Well, the biggest problem is simply the balance of population to surface area of the country is not in our favor because we have something like 29 or oh, we have over 30 million now something like that anyway 
that many million people compared to the US, which is what, 350 million or something like that at the moment? Yeah, it's a lot. Yeah, a lot. So, hey, a lot even more. we're pretty sp- spread out. You know, I, I, I live in the sticks. <laughs> oh, sure. But I mean, my point is that in, in America, the, the physical, if you if, don't include uh, Alaska in this, the, phys- the, the, the area of the United States. United States. Yeah, continental United States minus Alaska. That is very, very similar to the surface area of Australia. So, you know, we're, we are both very big countries. It's just that, um, you know, you have 10 times the population and then some. So, that means that you have much, much higher demand and economies of scale, therefore, work out more in your favor. So, um, you know, Japan's another example where they've got, you know, a much smaller surface area and they have still have a reasonably large population. So, again, the balance is in their favor. There's, it's a lot easier to invest in lots of fiber optic cables going everywhere, lots of big data centers and, you know, switches and exchanges and so on. So, for, for me, living in Australia, unfortunately, I'm way behind the eight ball because economically, it's just more expensive. And that's just a reality of economies of scale and you'll never escape that here. So what I'm paying at each month is I'm paying $40 every month for a 200 gig on ADSL 1, which is, you know, by most modern standards is slow as rubbish, really. Yeah, it works. That's, that's really slow. It's you, terrible. you would have a hard time hitting that bandwidth cap. I yeah, I do. I never I have never hit it. I've I think the most I ever got in a month was about 145 gig. And that was when there was like Xcode releases plus a bunch of firmware. Kind of what's going on right now, actually. I wonder what it'll be this month. But anyhow, uh, so it works out at about $0.20 cents per gig per month. Now, what's interesting is if we then shift that to mobile. So now I'm out on cellular and I'm paying... And because it's difficult to judge plans, I've had to just like do a delta between two iPhone plans. So it roughly works out to a difference of $23 per month to get an extra two gigabytes of download and that works out at $11.50 per gig per month. So that's, you know, compared to 20 cents, that is a heck of a lot more money. That's a, it's massive. So the thing is that with streaming, if I'm on a mobile device, streaming simply makes no sense at all. Whereas if I'm in a house, that's the only time I could even consider streaming. And even so, ADSL1's bandwidth restricts me to what I can actually feasibly stream. Because otherwise, I mean, I've hit stream on a HD because the trailers on the Apple TV, you know, they stream. So, mm-hmm. you click on the HD trailer. It's like, oh, no, I clicked on the HD. And so, it'll sit there buffering for like 15 minutes. And then you'll start seeing the first 20 seconds maybe of the trailer, 30 seconds, and it'll stop and buffer for another 15 minutes. It's ridiculous. So... You know, yeah, the, I, those those trailers are high bandwidth. Is it? You know, it's oh, like sure. Full 1080p. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's why you click on the SD version. You only have to you have to buffer for five minutes. <laughs> it's terrible. Yeah. It's yeah. just it's terrible. I but look, well, I'll tell you. Um, yeah, North America. Years, mm, yeah. Sorry. Well, 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 I'll tell you what. Believe it or not, dial-up is still a thing here. Oh yeah, uh, same. And and just uh, maybe maybe five years ago, I, I had a rough patch. I had to move back home for you know a few months and my mom still had dial-up internet like 56k nice. Ooh, yeah. rustic <laughs> so yeah, very rustic i love it and and even then you know even just trying to load a web page was, was almost uh impossible <laughs> god these days yeah everything assumes you've got decent bandwidth so much for i've got highly compressed jpegs on my website and they're no bigger than 300 by 300 to save you you know 
page load time, right? No, mm-hmm. not anymore. Well, well, this is it's also what's an issue we still deal with um, at Tidbits, and because we have um, we have a lot of readers um, in Australia, New Zealand, and in the rural United States, and so mm-hmm. for that reason, we uh, we do heavily compress our images in the email edition because we want to try to keep the size down. Yep. And we uh, you know whenever we're talking about downloads, we uh, you know some we always try somewhere to mention how big the download is because for a surprising amount of people that is still an issue. Yeah. Well, I, um, I, on behalf of everyone who's on limited bandwidth, thank you. <laughs> that's, that's what I'm talking about. You know, people thinking about that because, yeah, you're right. People still are in that situation. So, you know, the, the, the thing is, of course, those the numbers that I just quoted before, the whole 20 cents a gig a month for the landline and 11.50 a gig a month for the uh, cellular, you know, that's, that's, you know, Australian figures. I, I, I don't expect you to pull numbers off, off the top of your head, but I'm imagining that the based on my understanding anyway in North America that the quotas particularly when you're out and about on 4G let's say are a little bit more generous than than what I have to pay was that would that be accurate um let's see uh, 4G our you know I have to confess I let my wife pay the the Verizon bill so okay, <laughs> that's fine I, I, I don't have to look at but I, I think we pay something like 120 bucks a month for both of us and it's it's a plan where you have unlimited text unlimited voice and then the the data i think we share like two gigs between the two of us now and and it used okay. to be four and, and we dropped down to two because i i hardly leave the house anymore and she has wi-fi at her work um okay. and oh no, I, no i'm sorry that was that was for four gigs four gigs a month and, and so it's cheaper now i don't know about how much but it's um Probably sounds so, like, based on those figures, maybe it's about half what I'm paying, but the sounds are roughly about half, let's say. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, I do know that um, on the landline side, you guys are a heck of a lot better off because you said you, I think you said you had Comcast, is that right? Yeah, we we, we have Comcast like much of the uh, the continental United States. Right. So, I mean, that's a lot, that's a lot cheaper than what I'm, what I'm shelling out for. And I think you've, you said you had a much higher, I mean, I've only got, I've got two, I say only 200 gig. Um, thanks to my bandwidth, I'll never hit that. But you know, in your case, you were saying you had a bit more than that, I think. Yeah, three hundred. So, but but I go over it all the time because I get something like sixty megabits down on a good oh. day. Oh my yeah, god! Yeah, yeah, it's it's pretty amazing. I, you know, not to brag, but it's it's when it works consistently. Sometimes, some days it doesn't. Um, usually does. Uh, it, it, but for the most part, it goes anywhere from thirty to sixty. Um, but that, I, I just got luck of the draw on that because um, I could probably move two houses down and get like twenty down at best. And even before um, before I I bought my own modem and my own uh, and a new router, uh, we we had something like twenty megabits down. Like just just getting just buying our own modem increased the speed by that much. Wow. Uh, okay. Yeah. So so that's a tip for you guys out there if you have crappy at home broadband buy your own cable modem uh get a motorola you will you will thank me later um so yeah it's it's extremely variable in the united states like um you know or if you get like this is so frustrating we have a uh, a local telephone company and and they 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 think they are very much a telephone company they don't quite understand that that they are a telecommunication telecommunications company yep. and they got several million dollars from the federal government to um put in fiber 
And they did, except <laughs> the, their fiber, you, A, you have to have a landline before they even, like, talk to you about the fiber plan. Okay. And, and and B, it's ridiculously expensive. It's only, like, it's only like 100 bucks a month for, like, six megabytes down. <laughs> this oh, is supposed God. to be fiber. But it, it, it's fiber, but it's, like, DSL speed, and except just more expensive. It, 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 the mind That's boggles. That's terrible. Yeah. That's criminal. Yeah, yeah, <sighs> it should be. So, you know, for, for us, you know, as much as I hate Comcast, it really is just about our, our best and only option around here. Okay, well, fair enough. Yeah. yeah, it is It is interesting, and it's the sort of thing that as a geek, it makes me want to move, but, um, you know, to a better house. Like, oh, we would have got this house, darling, it's just this one didn't have, you know, 60 meg down. You know, and your wife's looking at you, shaking her head, thinking, what? <laughs> yeah, but, the, was- but the pool, the pool out the back. <laughs> well, you never know, you don't know what you're going to get, right? Because, like, because yeah. the wiring is so crappy, and it's so hit or miss, you know, because, I mean... The technologies they're using to deliver internet were not built with internet in mind. They were built like no. back. They start. They put. They put this stuff down in like the eight, the seventies and eighties. It's you yeah, know coaxial cable meant for a, a SD TV signal, or it's you know copper wiring meant for um, you know telephone calls. It, it, you know the the hard the hardware on the network end um, at the at the residential level has just not caught up with where it should be. <laughs> Moore's no. law does not apply there. No, definitely not. It's more like, you know, wire it up, put it in the ground and then forget about it for 100 years. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but, um, okay, cool. So, bottom line though is that in reality, uh, wired internet is always going to be cheaper than wireless internet, which means that if you're going to be streaming, the most most likely application is streaming when you are within range of Wi-Fi or whether you're on a device that's connected to uh, the an Ethernet were in a local intranet within your house that is going to get you onto the internet via a landline solution because that's the only way to economically really justify it. Mm-hmm. So, bottom line is that if I had to sort of summarize the w- the way I see it is that downloading is the more economical solution but it comes with a lot of overhead with managing your own stuff. And I think that as a supplement, streaming can be really handy to have for those occasions where you want access to something that you don't you don't know you'll need. And I've heard some people will use streaming as a discovery service. So it's like, mm, oh, yeah. I want to... Let's try a bit of music from this artist I've never heard of because it's it, there's low cost of of entry so you can listen to whole songs and then if you like it you could always go and buy their album you know mm-hmm, mm-hmm. through through Amazon or through iTunes or Google Music or whatever you know whereas doing that the other way I mean iTunes I think what they have 30 second 60 second um, snippets out of the songs I think extracts I think it's 90 seconds now 90 I think, seconds I think they bumped now. It up a bit, but... but the point is that you know you can't listen to it over and over and decide oh yeah, I really like that. I oh, know I don't. It's not really designed for that. It's designed for, a, I heard this tune in the shopping mall. I'm not sure what it is. I'll go listen to this excerpt from iTunes. Oh, yeah, that's it and I'll buy it. It's not really good for discovery, whereas the streaming is great for that. And mm. yeah, with, with Netflix and stuff, if you're the sort of person that watches a movie and you don't ever want to watch it again, you're not like you're not a movie hoarder. So, you know, like, unfortunately, I'm a movie hoarder and I've got a bunch of movies in there that maybe I've only watched once and I may never watch again, but they're there just in case I want to watch them again. 
anyway, I mean, that sort of attitude, you know, like I said, I'm a digital hoarder. I, I, we've talked about this before. I have yeah, on a yeah. previous episode. So I'll let that go. But the point is that um, I think that downloading still is the better option. It's just that streaming can be a supplement to that and it can be a very handy supplement to that. Well, I, I, I see it as almost the opposite. I, I guess mm-hmm. it just depends on your mindset, you know, because I, I like that freedom of choice that you that you have with streaming that, you sure. know, <clears throat> yeah, you, you know, I get on Netflix. It's something I'm still getting used to because, like, we have this problem. I think a lot. I think a lot of people. You know, we're roughly thirty-ish. I think a lot of people of our generation have this problem where they get on Netflix and they spend more time looking through everything than actually watching stuff. Yeah. And um, and, and that's something you know we've gotten better at, but it's it's still a problem. Meanwhile, I have a brother who's half my age, and he grew up with this stuff. And you know, we grew up in the age of blockbuster and the the movie rental store, where oh, yeah. you you get to pick one movie, you pick one movie, <laughs> and so <laughs> yep. you, you look over everything, you choose carefully, you read the back of the box, you know, you, you read if there's a review on there, you know, see how many thumbs up it got. Um, you know, very carefully choose your movie. And, you know, but my brother who grew up on streaming, just he just starts watching a movie. If it sucks, he just you know turns off, watches something else. He doesn't even think twice about it. And that, that's really the smart way to deal with an all-you-can-eat buffet, right? You get a little mm-hmm. bit of everything. If you don't like it, you, you just don't eat it. Um, so, um, but for, you know, for me, uh, I much prefer uh, streaming if it's available. But I think a lot of that psychology has to depend on your own network limitations. Like if I were Absolutely. in your shoes and I was I were still on, you know, a, a one megabit connection, I yeah, I would hate streaming. <laughs> yeah. Because it's, it's terrible. You know, yeah, I mean, yeah, I feel, I feel terrible for you because, like, mm-hmm. when you have um, that slow of a connection, yeah, it just, it just isn't tenable. And, and it's something I almost uh, – it's, it's a luxury I almost take for granted nowadays that, I, you know, I can just post something on the internet and it just you – know, most of the time it just works flawlessly and, and – just plays instantly and looks nice. Oh, even then, um, like HBO Go, um, you know, you hear all this stuff about it, but it's it's not it's not that great of a service. Like the mm-hmm. the quality degrades a lot. You can just tell it's one of those things they don't put a lot of resources into, um, and and so that's another frustration. But still, you know, the alternative here in the states is you know I would have to uh, rent a more expensive cable box. I you know, and even then. Um, the quality of cable TV here, even the you know you have to pay extra for HD, and even when you do, it still doesn't look great because they compress the signal so much. So really, even with the spotty quality that streaming sometimes can provide, um, it still looks better than what the cable company provides over you know their own box, you know their 1980s boxy technology <laughs> mm-hmm. that they they've over compressed. Yeah, absolutely, and I I hear what you're saying, and I guess that my 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 worldview is on this issue is is heavily tainted by my the accessibility of streamed media. But what 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 I find frustrating about this is that by the time the rest of the world catches up, then we will be left behind again because. Let, let's assume that they then give us, that I get in the next, you know, they're worrying out a thing in Australia called the National Broadband Network or the NBN for short. And it's, you know, fiber to close to your home and then copper the last, you know, last mile or whatever. But the idea is that, uh, you know, you can probably get a fiber all the way to your home, going to cost you more, but that's going to have decent download rates. By then, we'll be streaming 4K, you know, like in North America because the bandwidths are already that far mm-hmm. ahead and it'll be streamed 4K. And then after that, it'll be, God, no, 8K, 16K, 32K, God knows how many K. 
you know, it won't be seven speakers. It'll be 700 speakers. And, you know, it's not going to be the same unless the whole room's got shakers under the floor. Yeah, I mean, honestly, the way it's going, I just have this rather pessimistic view that we'll always be a little bit behind. The the, the problem with streaming is that uh, it, it almost kills itself. The more people that do it and the more the technology pushes forward, it then restricts the number of people that have access to it because of the congestion, because of the bandwidth requirements. It's sort of, yeah. But you know what? I'm not sure we're ever going to resolve this. <laughs> well, it's it's, I, I, it's like, it's I, de- it depends, right? Doesn't it? There's I, just too I, many I, variables. I think how it's going to work in the United States is that I, I just, cable companies put these bandwidth caps there for a reason. And the specific reason was because they want to keep the streaming thing from becoming any bigger than it is. So, I mean, I, I think you're right. And ultimately it will kill itself because um, the cable companies hold all the cards in the United States. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they, they own Congress, um, you know, this, they're, they're, this is unrelated, but this sort of unrelated. But the you know they're pushing through this um, BS net neutrality regulation that's really probably going mm. to uh, you know com- totally commercialize the internet uh, in a whole new way and, and in the cable company's favor. And it's it's going to pass no matter how many people complain. Just because um, we have a cable company lobbyist in charge of the the Federal Communications Commission here in the United no, States. That's not good. And yeah, no, and and that's sort of the frightening thing is that. The you know the, the handful of companies that own the pipes really are going to control the internet. Um, so uh, I, I think really the only hope, and, and this is so um, uh, cynical, but I, I think it's going to be accurate. Is I, I think the only hope, uh, at least here in the United States, are, 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 are deep pocketed companies like Apple, who um, who can negotiate with with these companies. Like for instance, um, Comcast back when they were. Um, throttling netflix um you didn't notice that if you're on the apple tv because apple has a special deal with netflix where they have their own stream for the apple tv and it was one that comcast just didn't mess with so you know you try to you know watch something on the p on a playstation 3 and it would you know take a few minutes for it to kick in and it kept getting fuzzy and um all this stuff and never had that problem the apple tv and, uh, you know, the rumor is now is that Apple is building its own CDNs and it's talking with, you know, it's in negotiations with Comcast for something to do with Apple TV. And so, I, I, unfortunately, I think that's probably going to be, you know, for the future of streaming, that's going to be, um, at least in the United States, the best option is we're going to have to, you know, uh, shack up with a company like Apple who has the deep pockets and the uh, drive and the negotiating skill to um, get, get around these things. And it's, uh, it's so depressing. <laughs> Yeah, it is depressing, isn't it? I mean, it sounds like I don't want to turn into a discussion about net neutrality, but I do. We do follow this. You know, a lot of people over here are following it with a lot of interest because it has wide ramifications. It's the sort of thing that, um, yeah, it's it's disturbing. But in any case, um, I think that the ultimate answer to downloaded versus streamed is that if you can get away with streaming everything and you want to take that weight off your shoulders, then by all means, stream it. But I think that the issues of trust and ownership are ones I may never get over, even if I do get extra bandwidth. And that's a personal choice. 
but uh, you know that everyone's going to draw the line in a different place. But I still stand by. I, I do believe that from an efficiency point of view, and I guess that's the engineer in me that just won't die. And that is from an efficiency point of view, uh, downloading is is a better option. But you you are taking on a lot more uh, mucking around and time and effort that you otherwise wouldn't have to, and you lose a lot of spontaneity. So perhaps the ultimate answer, as always, is a bit of both. But uh, yeah. you know, in the end. Um, I don't think it's an. I don't think any one person can get any one answer, and so maybe that's where we have to leave that discussion. But uh, yeah, anyway, um, there, there there are some rare outliers. Like for instance, this thing uh, Bradley Chambers and I talk about on Twitter all the time. Um, Mar- Mar- Marvel Unlimited. It costs like seventy bucks for a year, when you know a typical issue of a comic book costs like four dollars. So it, it, very quickly, it doesn't take very long to to completely pay off that uh, that subscription. So. Um, mm-hmm. You know, but of course that's an outlier. That's you know that's not what most people are streaming. But you know, yeah, it's just, it's it, it depends on the media. It depends on um, and it depends on the price. Uh, I, I guess it really depends on the price of acquiring that media and storing it, right? Um, yeah, absolutely. So the one other thing I just wanted to quickly touch on something that you wanted to talk about, I think briefly at the beginning as well, was um, streaming within the house, and I suppose. <laughs> There were, there's two ways of doing it and, and the first way is, uh, is Bluetooth um, and the second way is Wi-Fi. And I guess the funny thing is that I, I realize technically it's streaming. Bluetooth is kind of like a point-to-point link, which it's sort of, it's more of like a virtual digital sort of a tether than it is sort of streaming. I say streaming is like the I'm sending packets over a network and that's what Wi-Fi is, whereas Bluetooth eh, isn't quite so much. It's sort of like a point-to-point as opposed to a point-to-multipoint. But, you know, I guess maybe I'm splitting hairs there. I probably am. Actually, I think I am splitting hairs. But irrespective, um, I've got to have a rant about what I hate about Bluetooth is that, you know, the issues that I've had with certain Bluetooth speakers in the house when I'm trying to get my iPhone to play through them is because it can only do one at a time, you connect one, it boots the other one off. And then some of them will remember one device as a priority. Other ones will remember the last connected device as priority. And every Sam speaker seems to be different. So like I've got, we've got Bluetooth in the car and it behaves differently to the Bluetooth in the speakers in the kitchen. So, you know, yeah. it's crazy, you know. And it's not a very standard standard. No, it's not. And it's just, it's insane. But it does work. Once it's connected, it works really well. It's quite reliable and, you know, it's, I, I don't have any complaints. It works pretty well. But one of the things that I did try uh, a while ago, way back when it was first an option, was, um, was AirPlay to uh, audio to a set of speakers through an old Airport Express that I had, which is the old power brick style, like a power brick on steroids style, the huge ones. And I just plugged that in through a 3.5 mil um, jack into the back of some speakers. And... Yeah, it worked reasonably well, but the problem was that I still had a I had an old Wi-Fi router that wasn't even an N. It was uh, it was an ABG, I think, and it wasn't an Apple one. Um, hang on, does that make? Yeah, that's right. I'm trying to get my chronology right. Yes, it was. And since then, I've upgraded to a time capsule, which is um, dual band N, and I now use the uh, Airport Express as a secondary network. So I try and keep the, which is an N network, but I, I, so I keep it off the rest. And it's uh, for all the other miscellaneous non-N devices, if you know what I mean. So I've got the slow network and I've got the fast network. And the reason is because of the streaming, because I've gone beyond the audio and I'm now on to, I've got three Apple TVs in the house. I've got two 720p <laughs> ones and I've got one 1080 one. 
That's impressive. I I wrote a book on Apple TV. And I only have two. Oh, okay, so. cool. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, oh, you know what? I no, I stand corrected. One seven twenty and two ten eighty ones. Anyhow, irrespective, the point is that I found that recently, because um, we've got two MacBook Airs in the house, and they were connecting over Wi-Fi, and even on the dual band N, uh, we were having issues with the streaming because it was just too much bandwidth because we were streaming from the laptop connected to the hard drives that had the library on it to an Apple TV whilst another laptop was also going on the on the same network as well as the other Apple TVs and it was just choking and yeah, this is a dual band N and it was choking mind you that was 1080p video so the whole streaming thing seems to work well in theory but you need to make sure you keep your Wi-Fi clean if you go to AC, I suppose, but I don't think the current Apple TV support AC. Correct me if I'm wrong. No, they, they don't. Um, no. Yeah, probably your best option in that case is um, is Ethernet. Um, yes, or, that's what I it, did do. Yeah, you know, if you have that option, not, not everyone does. Um, well, yeah, no, no, no I, I put my MacBook Airs onto um, Ethernet. I bought a, a gigabit. Ah. Um, it, it was, it's, yeah, eBay... It's some cheap brand from some part of um, of Asia. I don't care because I love this thing. It's like this three USB port, um, three USB three port. Oh my god, that's a tongue twister. USB three, three ports of that plus a gigabit Ethernet port. So I've got that plugged in, and it's taken all that traffic off the Wi-Fi, and it leaves the Wi-Fi free for streaming out to the Apple TVs, and it works beautifully. So that's what I've done anyway. Yeah, well, my pro- my problem is um, is that is at the desk because um, so so I don't have any sort of external speakers. I have my MacBook Pro and it's on a laptop stand that angles the speakers in such a way that they sound pretty good. I'm not an audiophile. I used to um, uh, back in uh, my PC gaming days. I had an entire uh, home theater receiver on this giant desk that I had, and I had um, home theater speakers <laughs> right there on my desk. And it was connected to the uh, the the PC via uh, optical uh, Toslink, and so oh, that the, yeah, it was it was it's pretty hardcore. awesome. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but I did. But I also had a ridiculously big desk. Like I mean, like <laughs> it was like twelve feet long. Wow. So um, nowadays, I only have about four feet on my desk. So you know, I don't bother the speakers. Um, but the the problem I have. And most of what I listen to is podcasts anyway. So it's, you know, audio fidelity isn't that big of an issue. And if, if you know, I'm listening to music and I want to, you know, really hear it well, I have a pair of Sony earphones, uh, yeah, yeah, headphones that I can uh, put on and, and they sound pretty good. Um, but the problem I have is that there are so many apps nowadays, uh, audio apps, that are only available for iPhone or the better versions are only on iPhone. Like, um, Beats Music, um, they have a... I'm guessing that soon they will have some sort of Mac uh, native client, hopefully. Um, mm. You know, you spend $3 billion on something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 we hope. But the yeah, the uh, the the web client is terrible. Uh, one, it runs on Flash, and two, it's missing a lot of features, no keyboard shortcuts, etc. Um, you, you know, so if I want to listen to anything on Beats, I have to do it from my iPhone or iPad. And... Um, also, there, there's a number of um, podcast, interesting podcast apps that I'm trying out, um, and and I can't play those on the Mac very easily. And so, and of course, iPhone speakers are terrible um, in in every way. And uh, you know, but my my Sony cans don't uh, you know the plug on them isn't great, so it's not great to plug into the iPhone. Um, plus, I still want to hear notifications and things on my Mac, 
and then uh, so I'm just uh, this is an issue I'm just struggling with. Um, it, you know, one thing I tried um, I tried Airfoil, um, which is a uh, it's a neat app by Rogue Amoeba. Mm-hmm. All these yep. great audio apps. Uh, yep. They have a utility that comes with Airfoil called Airfoil Speakers, which turns your Mac ostensibly into an AirPlay receiver. And yeah. uh, you would think that would be the solution, but the problem is a there is a 10 second delay on AirPlay, which is annoying. But then b it, it it's not terribly reliable. Like sometimes you can AirPlay to your Mac, sometimes you can't. You have to restart it, uh, you know, restart Airfoil Speakers. Uh, so I. Uh, you know, I'm I'm struggling with this thing, and I, I thought about I thought about having a just a Bluetooth speaker on my desk, right? And then I, yeah, I'm yeah. like, oh, I connect my iPhone and my Mac to it. But um, you know, as you said, you can only have one paired to it at time, so that's not really a great solution either. And so I looked into um, you know AirPlay speakers, and um, in theory uh, that would be great. But the problem is, um, you know, the, I, it, it's hard to find an AirPlay speaker for less than three to four hundred dollars. That is reliable, and in you know, all the you know, uh, there is one. I, I think Extreme Mac makes it. It's uh, it doesn't have a battery, so it's perfect for a desk. It just plugs in, and it's like eighty bucks. But uh, the reviews keep saying, eh, sometimes you connect to it, sometimes you can't. I'm like, well, that that doesn't work. I need something that works every time. You know, I'm almost at the point. I'm thinking about just buying another Airport Express and mm. and plugging it under my desk so i can have a reliable yeah. airplay device i can plug speakers into but yep. it's it's such an annoying problem and um mm. you know like because this everything's going wireless but the wireless isn't quite there yet um like uh for instance my wife i, I just got her a an iphone 5c for her birthday a while back and um so she had a 30 pin um speaker dock in the bathroom and she likes to uh you know listen to music while she's in the shower and her 5C didn't work with it anymore. So we got her a, a Bluetooth adapter for that, but only her phone can connect to it. I can't connect my phone to it now. <laughs> God, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yep. I'm with you. I, I, I understand exactly what, what you mean. It, it's just, I honestly think your final conclusion regarding your particular issue is the best way to go for the time being and until until the software catches up. And you know, the, the, there's a school of thought that says if it's a speaker or a screen, I should be able to scre- uh, stream to it. Mm-hmm. And honestly, think that that is that is the right attitude, but it's just not there yet. I'm not sure because there was just so much at WWDC whether or not the whole um, continuity thing will will also provide that. I don't know enough about mm. that yet. I, I'll, I'll look into it. Uh, but unfortunately, for the time being, what would work would be, yeah, just getting another Airport Express. And honestly, uh, uh, getting a cheap pair of speakers, that's still reasonably good quality. You don't have to spend a lot on it. It'd probably end up costing you half what a reasonable AirPlay speaker with it all integrated would cost you. Yeah. So, you know, it'd just take a little bit more space on your desk and, you know, a couple extra cables. But, you know, so maybe it's not as minimalist as you might like, but, you know... How long was your desk again, or <laughs> did you keep that desk? No, no, no. Um, that's that's elsewhere. Now the one I have now, it's a custom made one. It's about four feet long, three feet wide. Um, okay. It's it's covered with crap already because I have I have like um, all my Apple TV testing stuff on my desk. So I have like converter boxes and HDMI splitters and, <laughs> and all these various things. Oh dear, sounds a lot like my desk. That's cool. Um, put up a shelf. <laughs> there you go. That's your solution. Hang it from the ceiling. Yeah. That could work. Oh yeah, there's an idea. <laughs> okay, well, um, I think we might, I think we might wrap it up at that point. I think we've, uh, I think we've covered it. So, 
unless there's anything else you'd like to add just quickly nah uh yeah i think i think we streamed everything we have we've streamed the episode there you go so if you want to talk more about this you can reach me on twitter at john chigi and uh, check out my writing at uh, texasortion.com if you'd like to send any feedback please use the feedback form on the website and that's where you'll also find the show notes for the episode under podcasts pragmatic you can follow pragmatic show on twitter to see show announcements and other related materials uh, i'd also like to thank my um, special guest host uh, josh centers and what's the best way for people to get in touch with you josh uh, oh, I'm on Twitter at jcenters, J-C-E-N-T-E-R-S. Uh, you can also uh, find me on tidbits.com or joshcenters.com. And uh, my book, Take Control of Apple TV, is at takecontrolbooks.com. Awesome. Fantastic. Uh, I'd also like to personally thank Wet Frog Studios for sponsoring Pragmatic. If you're looking to add some curb appeal to your product or company, remember to specifically visit this URL, wetfrogstudios.com pragmatic to get a great result at half the normal price. And uh, yeah, that's it. Thanks for listening, everyone. And thanks again, Josh. Thank you, John. Thanks for having me. Anytime.